I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theater Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theater writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Apoff-Gray, Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theater Company. And this is Theater Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theater from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theater in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 33 of Theater Forward. So this week's conversation, once again, I should note, brought to you from our individual homes as we record remotely. Um, This week, we're going to talk about the process of planning ahead for a season and how that always challenging task is even more challenging as we're trying to envision what the world will look like as the current COVID-19 crisis hopefully begins to ebb. And, you know, for a little context on our own end, This time of year, this sort of late spring, is usually when we're getting really, really proactive about planning for the next season, not the one that starts this fall in whatever form the season this fall will start, but the one for the following fall, so the fall of 2021. Um, This is the time of year where we're really starting to nail down what is going to be on that season's slate. And it's always... um, uh, a process uh, in which we we don't know what we don't know, and we don't know how the world will change. Um, that's always the case, but boy, oh boy, um, more so than than ever, we know for a fact things are going to be dramatically different by the time that 2021 season gets started, and and we can't really envision exactly how. So I think this process of picking plays is is even more complicated, and we thought that might be fodder for a good conversation. Um, Julie, I know you um, and I both attended an event um, uh, early on in the last really, uh, you know, dramatic moment in, you know, contemporary theater production, which was uh, in the midst of the 2008-2009 economic downturn, and there were some interesting things we learned there. You want to Jump in about that. Well, yeah, I think you're referring to um, Michael Kaiser, who uh, worked at the Kennedy Center. Um, It was a tour called Arts in Crisis, uh, and he did come to Madison in 2009. And at the time, uh, and I know that I was doing this, absolutely. I was with Renaissance Theater Works at the time, and what everyone was doing, and not just Renaissance, everyone, was changing their um, programming Um, to be sort of leaner and meaner. So a three-person play felt huge. We were looking at one to two-person plays. We were doing um, uh, smaller sets, smaller technical elements. And what Michael Kaiser was saying in this 50-state tour was we should go big. What you really want to do is is go as big as possible, collaborate, Um, don't, don't shrink. This is the time to try new things and explore things that you've only been thinking about. And I think it was relevant during the recession, and I think it's even more relevant right now because this is the scariest part of where we're at right now is um, that there isn't a timeline when this ends. When there's a recession, at some point, it you know it ebbs and flows, and the economy gets back into place, and it goes up again. This is we don't know the timeline for this, and so I think that this is a great conversation to have about 
how do you, as theater companies, who choose plays a year, 18 months in advance, get the rights, get the actors, get the designers, how, how do we choose what this looks like in a year and a half? I just want to say, I so, sorry, Mike, but I I was just going to jump in on Michael Kaiser before we move on, just that I so remember that, um, that conversation. Um, It was really meaningful for us because we had just started forward when he came Mm -hmm. to Madison to give that talk. And we were, you know, starting a company in the midst of this horrible recession and feeling like, are we absolutely insane for, for having these really big, crazy plans? Um, And so to have, have him come to town and say, Yep, that's exactly what's going to be successful uh, in these circumstances was so um, encouraging for us. And I think it really helped us, um, you know, feel more confident in, uh, in in launching the company. So that was pretty cool. So, Mike, sorry, please jump no, in. No, 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 no. I mean, I think that the reasons why you would want to go small in 2009, uh, not only as you're pointing out, Julie, exist now and will in 2021 um, for reasons of money, but they also exist because of the safety issues, which are likely still going to be in play in the fall of 2021. I think we need to stop getting to the point where we're thinking we're going to be in you know, pre-vaccine and post-vaccine. I mean, even after we have a vaccine, and God help me, I hope we do have one by the fall of 21, but there's no guarantee of that. We're still going to be dealing with a different sense of safety, both in an audience and particularly on stage. Um, and so smaller casts, uh, I mean, it kills me to say this, I've you know, ballyhooed enough on this podcast about how I like big plays, but I think smaller casts are going to be popular, not just because they're financially more doable, but because of the nature of what safety means. And I think that will also, to the degree that casts get a little bit bigger, mean that you have plays that, um, for, for what, I mean, this is a horrible umbrella term, it gets overused, but I'll use it, that are Chekhovian, that are plays that are about quiet, intimate, passionate interactions between people without necessarily having a lot of physical touching. Um, So you think about playwrights like that or somebody like Annie Baker. I mean, people who are very good at understanding the the distance between us, even when we're together. And honestly, those plays may be more feasible um, to do. Plays like the Apple plays that I mentioned last time, where you literally have a family sitting around a dinner table uh, for the entire play. Um, so we'll see, but forget putting aside the thematic things that we have to think about for 21, which we'll get to, I'm sure, in this in this uh, podcast. There's just the logistical issues and how that, in and of itself, affects the kinds of plays we can do. Yeah, and those are all uh, considerations that are very much evolving right now. And I, I know that all of us that deal with Actors Equity Association and, and all of the other unions, they're all hard at work consulting with medical experts, trying to figure out how you combine the ways in which the production of live theater typically works with um, what we know or, or don't know about this disease and how it's transmitted. And so um, everybody's trying to come up with protocols that will make it safe to go back to work at some point. And, and they still don't know what those protocols are going to be. And so, you know, we'll know them before... <laughs> you know, we get to the 21 season, but we're not going to know what they all are likely before we're planning the 2021 season. So it's really, there's, 
so many factors beyond the multitude of factors that we would normally be considering. And, and the big, one of the bigger considerations too, we always need to take our audiences into consideration as we pick plays. And we don't know for sure what people want to hear. I mean, there, I, um, we had an advisory company meeting last night and reviewed a play. One of the plays was um, about groups getting together for dinner and birthday parties. And somebody, I wrote this down immediately and they said, this whole idea of getting together in groups just hurts to hear right now. And I thought, isn't that an interesting statement? And so will audiences want to, do they want complete release and not be thinking about where we are right now? Or some, there's going to be people that are writing plays that are very, um, thoughtful and introspective and maybe hopeful about the time we're in. And is that what people want to see? I don't, that's, that's going to be the hardest thing, I think, to, to try to anticipate where we are at the time and what people are going to be open for. Yeah, I think um, it's a, what, what we don't need. I mean, Molly Smith at Arena Stage said this in a, um, in a podcast the other day, she said, God help me if we see thousands of bad plays that are about the pandemic. Um, I don't think that's what anybody is going to want, but how the pandemic influences the things people are concerned about. And specifically, Julie, what you raised, that issue of connectivity is I think a big one. I think that we are going to see a lot of plays where people are hungering for and focused on what it means for us to come together. And specifically what I think that will mean is uh, is plays that, and of course we're guessing, but plays that are less focused in this country on identity politics, which tend to emphasize the ways in which we're different, and plays that rather focus on the things we share and have in common. Um, and insofar as they deal with identity politics themes, which are not going away, issues like race and gender, for example. I think the focus is gonna be less on individuals and identity and more on systemic problems in the way in which racism and sexism have impacted all of us during this pandemic. We see the gross inequities um, in the way in which this country is structured. And I think people are going to want big idea plays like that, that help us focus on how we're divided and how we might come together rather than plays that are just focusing on how we're, how we're different. Um, because those are angry. And right now, people are feeling angry and afraid. But there's also, I'm getting a real um, a vulnerability, a sense of love and sharing between people. And I think there's going to, theater is the place in which historically those things have been expressed maybe better than anywhere else. And I, I hope and think we're going to see plays that do that. And the people will want plays to do that in terms of ones that haven't been written, but that we're choosing for a season. Yeah. You know, Mike, the, the comment, I, I was listening to that podcast with Molly Smith as well. And, and it was really taking me back to, um, you know, the f- late fall, early winter of 2016 after, you know, we'd had um, a presidential election that certainly felt like a seismic shift in the country. And certainly when all of us in 2015 were planning that 16, 17 season, um, we weren't anticipating 
um, how things were going to feel different in that year. We weren't anticipating um, how the plays we had chosen were going to maybe uh, resonate in new ways. And as as once that election happened and we were looking at the following season, there were all kinds of conversations about, ooh, do we do we scrap some of the things that were on the slate and try to get something brand new that was written in response to this election? And I just remember, I remember saying at that advisory company meeting, it's going to take a couple of years before there are good plays that are specifically about this situation, because it just, it takes a little time to process and get a little bit of perspective on what we're going through, um, which is not to negate the fact that there's some really great stuff happening right this minute that's being written. You know, people are writing things for Zoom, they're writing online monologues, et cetera, that are about what we're going through right now and are being delivered in the moment. And I think that's a completely different, um, a completely different thing. And I, I think it's great that there are people who are creating things that are addressing where we are while we're in it. But I think that as we program to the next year and, you know, I don't anticipate that we're done with all of this, but I'm certainly, and I'll knock wood right now, but certainly hoping that we are coming out of this crisis, that that's when we're going to want to start looking at what we've gone through with some sense of perspective. And I think it's not going to come from plays that are about living through COVID. I think it's going to come in how we look at other plays and making sure that as we choose plays for that season, that we choose plays that provide helpful opportunities for reflection versus potentially harmful <laughs> opportunities for reflection, if that, um, if that makes sense. You know, we want people to, to get helpful growth and perspective, but we don't want to traumatize anybody who's just gone through a big trauma either. Well, it's, it's fascinating as theater is, is something by its very nature that brings people together. It's a collective experience. But this, where we are right now, this pandemic is, honest to God, a universal, has touched every single person on this planet's life. That is a unique experience. So what, we don't even have to guess like, well, I don't know, will this Will this, they know what we're saying here? We haven't been in that situation that has been, I haven't as a theater professional. Um, I'm not saying that it's never happened, but in my career, this has never happened that this, everyone is dealing with the same thing in different ways, certainly, but the same thing. So there's, there's an homogeny then in choosing plays that we know everyone will get. Which is which is a different way of looking at any other season, to me. Hmm. I think again with some of these again to piggyback Julie off of what you're saying when you're thinking about some of these big systemic issues that I was alluding to before, they've always been there, but people mm -hmm. are going to quote unquote get them in ways that are similar in a new sort of way. Take healthcare for example. I'm imagining Anna Devere Smith's Let Me Down Easy play, I have the title to that wrong, but her play about the healthcare system is gonna get play now that it wasn't getting before because that's going to resonate with people in a new way. It's not gonna feel as divisive, it's not gonna feel as a single issue, it's gonna feel like it's talking about something all of us share. I think climate uh, change plays are going to resonate in a huge way. Um, this is the pandemic that's gonna make this pandemic look like nothing. 
um, if we don't address it. And there are a lot of good plays that talk about this issue um, and that talk about it in ways that are reflective and helpful and full of hope. They're not all these negative screeds. And people will understand that now in a new way because of what we're all going through together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think another issue that, and this is something that predates the pandemic, but again, I think has been strengthened by it, is there is a hunger, or I feel like there is, for plays that deal in some form with spirituality. And I'll use that phrase as generically as I can here. I'm not talking about organized religion, although I am certainly talking about plays like uh, we, we've talked about before, like Will Arbery's Heroes of the Fourth Turning. But I'm talking about things like Heather Christian, who we've also talked about before, whose uh, song cycle called Prime, um, which is available at Playwrights Horizons Soundscape Series, is about the hunger for something that makes us get out of bed in the morning. I'm talking about people like Lucas Nath writing about um, the uh, mediums. Uh, I mean, maybe my thinking is influenced because I'm just finishing reading um, Hilary Mantel's just off the charts, fantastic Cromwell trilogy from a woman who very strongly believes in ghosts uh, and in the way in which they haunt us and we also haunt them. Um, but I think, again, in a, in a situation where we're being made aware of how permeable the boundaries are between the everyday lives that we thought we had and everything going out uh, around them, we're going to want to explore dimensions of ourself that we've been too busy to spend time thinking about. And to me, that's very hopeful. I mean, theater was born in a moment that was thinking about the divine. And again, however you define that, um, define it as pantheistically as you want, but thinking about the relationship between this world and the next one, or between this world and something beyond the human self. And I think that that is something we're going to see, and that people will, as early as 21, 22, be wanting to see and be wanting to come to this, this place where we communion together to talk about and think about. I love the hopefulness of that, Mike. And it's, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I hope that that's the case. Yeah. yeah. Well, in all of it, it all makes me think about um, how, how strange it is this moment that we're in and, you know, qualifying that, you know, all four of us sitting in this uh, podcast, you know, Zoom meeting are safe at home, able to work from home with our families. Um, and knowing that in, at some point, probably in the coming weeks, the safer at home order will be lifted and we will be in, you know, varying circumstances emerging back out of this cocoon that we're currently in. And that's the moment that I, I, I feel very mentally unprepared for, you know, what is that going to feel like? And I, as I think about the plays that we have coming up in this season ahead, let alone the plays that we're reading and, and choosing between for the following season. You know, once we are rehearsing our plays, once there are safe ways to do that, the, the impact of seeing two characters embrace, 
you know, right. how, how is that gonna, I just got goosebumps. Go yeah, ahead. <laughs> just a moment, yeah. just the, the ability. It's always so for, I always think as a director about the potency of how you use movement to evoke emotion and, and being able to, to work out staging so that you're thinking about, Oh no, if you touch their shoulder this way, it implies yearning. And if you touch it that way, it implies dominance or threat. And if you, you know, reach to kiss someone in this manner, it's romantic. And in that matter, manner, it's creepy. And, you know, all of the ways in which I already think about how powerful the relation of physical bodies on stage to each other is as a storytelling tool. But when I think about it in the context of seeing theater mm -hmm when we are back making theater and what that's going to feel like just to watch it and the, 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 the new significance and weight that is going to come with that, you know, that's in my mind when I'm reading these plays and thinking about um, how they will resonate with an audience. You know, the plays for this upcoming season, for this 2021 season, in whatever manner we're able to produce them and present them, are plays that were all chosen before COVID happened. And so um, with those, it's a, a, just looking at them now with these fresh eyes and thinking, okay, well, that might resonate in a different way or that might have a different um, import importance than we initially intended and how do we lean into that or course correct for that. Um, it's it's the following season is the one that we're picking and reading with post COVID eyes or not post, but you know, COVID eyes. So that's where we're at right now. And it's, it's, it's a remarkable shift in perspective. Yeah. It's um, I think it's going to shift the way we think about, um, about comedy too. I mean, people are going to want to laugh. People always want to laugh. Right. And there's just not enough good plays being written right now that allow us to do that. But I think the sort of laughter that people are going to want and that's going to ring true is going to be deeper. I'm not thinking right now that plays that get their laughs through being hyper meta or being ironic or being broadly satiric are going to be the way. I think the sort of humor that you're going to see is, again, to, to invoke this God I invoked at the beginning of this podcast, it's going to be Chekhovian humor. It's going to be deep. It's going to hurt. It's going to sting. It's going to be funny because we do need to be able to laugh at ourselves uh, during this. And you're seeing this, by the way, in a lot of these little playlets um, at, uh, um, at, at public theater that have been put out are really funny and really sweet ways that capture the sort of darkness at the edge of town, even as there's laughter going on. And I think people will want that because it's, it'll be honest and true to the relief and joy that we're feeling at being together while at the same time acknowledging um, the, the hard things that are still there and that are going to be there for a long time. The yeah. idea of right now, as we sit here, of going into a theater and sitting with a group. I, I relish it, I look so forward to it, but that first show for everybody is, um, it's gonna be unlike anything we've experienced. There, it, will be, it will be fraught, but joyous, um, and, and we are then looking, so just the experience of being in the room with people, will be 
unique and wonderful. And then, and then also the added, the, the added burden we have as theater makers to choose the play that will, will talk to people um, as they sit together is, um, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be, this is going to be a hard season, this, this 20, 21, 20, uh, two season is going to be a very difficult one to choose. Yeah. But at the same time, also knowing only what we know now, you know, Mm -hmm. not knowing (laughs) the unknown that lies ahead of us. Um, there's also, I'm sensing some feeling of joy and hope and optimism in picking that season because I, we all know that this upcoming year is going to be one in which the ways we produce theater are not going to bear a lot of resemblance to what we've been doing in the past. I, I think that as we look to that following year, there can be some, some reasonable assumption of some hope that we are able to gather more fully Mm -hmm. things. Things will be different than they are now, but I, I at least am choosing, again, with what I know right now, I am choosing to look at that 21-22 season with a sense of some, some optimism and, and hope uh, and, and some joy about the idea of, of being able to re- return to that joy of live theater with my community. And so thinking about the plays that we want to be a part of that season it is also emotionally uplifting for me. Um, I agree. And let's, you know, let's live in hope. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Let yep. us live in hope. Yeah, I think even the way in which we um, think about nostalgia is going to be influenced by that. I mean, nostalgia can be so, and it is for a lot of people right now, it can be escapist. It can be a way of avoiding the future. But nostalgia can also be when properly harnessed, a powerful, radical, subversive force. I mean, I'm sitting here right now on, uh, even though this is a podcast, looking at the three of you on Zoom. And the nostalgia that's overcoming me is akin to what Jen was talking about a few minutes ago. It's just the need to touch, the need to hug, the how much I miss these people who are important to me in my life. And I think if we look back on what we had and appreciate it more in a way that, again, deepens our understanding of what we had and gives us the willingness to, to put our hope into, into action and to try and make for and imagine a better future that really helps us hold on to what's making us appreciate those things in the past. That's a hope that even though it looks backward, moves forward. Um, and it's one that will appeal to people because we are all missing um, things that now seem so far away. Um, but it will also say, you know what, we can carry the best of that into a new realm um, for a better day. Uh, Mike, that's beautiful. I think, I think, I think we should, should end on that note um, <laughs> yeah. for, for today's uh, episode. Um, or we'll just so- all start crying oh, yeah. and, and <laughs> just here on a podcast. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so we'll say that that's all for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jen Uphoff Gray. I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden. And you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Theater Forward. That's as always with an E R. 
And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in and be sure to leave a review. We are so grateful to have you listening and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation. 